You are listening to the voice of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Merkaz Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton, on this wonderful day of Yom al Athulatha. I'm going to get these words right. Oh no, it's Yom al Alitneen. Uh, it's Tuesday, Yom Alitneen. I'm going to get these days right. Yeah, come on, get it right. You need to get the days of the week right if you want to be a Muslim. I mean, you need to know which day it is. Um, and there's one of these small little things that I've never ever got myself uh, into over the years, I'm afraid. It's one of the other little things that's kind of like, you know, it sort of stays on one little corner and you don't bother to work on it. 99 names of a lie and all of those, you know, they take they take precedence. But uh, yeah, well, you know, you've got to full out and and broaden and uh, and uh, really settle down in your iman. Not so. 19 years and I still don't know uh, the days of the week. 19 years Muslim, subhanAllah. Uh, well, uh, we've had uh, an interesting day in terms of business today. Coming up in our show, we'll be looking at uh, unemployment figures. Uh, our unemployment has fallen. We've actually increased our jobs. Uh, we actually, I think, uh, may have put on more jobs than the United States did in February. How about that? The whole of the United States economy only only put on 20,000 jobs in February, indicating that uh, the world's remaining lone superpower, or rather, as I tend to call it, the world's remaining super problem, uh, is in dire financial difficulties, although you wouldn't guess it from the amount of wars that it keeps on uh, waging across the globe. But if you have a look at uh, its desperation in terms of grabbing hold of Venezuelan assets that it has in the United States, one would be forgiven for thinking that the United States is feeling a little bit desperate nowadays. Uh, but anyway, as let things be as they are, Steinhoff uh, says it's going to sell cap. It's, uh, that's, uh, it's sort of like a, provides uh, sort of automotive uh, seat parts and uh, kind of furniture, the trimmings and fittings to to buildings and new and new businesses starting up and so on. Uh, it sells all those kind of materials and manufactures those kind of materials. You know, like uh, wooden uh, padded panels and uh, uh, special panels for cars and, uh, you know, for seats and those kinds of things, car seats and that kind of thing, uh, for um, train transport seats, you know, those kind of things. That's uh, Steinhoff has decided to to sell that business. It's a Cape-based business. Uh, saying it needs to settle debts. Um, we'll more on that a little later. Jeff Khadebe says the government needs one trillion rands for new power stations. Sure, well, we thought that uh, that one trillion rand price tag had disappeared with uh, the nuclear power stations, and it seems uh, that the elements of the government that want to keep that one trillion rand in play, he says we need that money uh, over the next 10 years, next 10, 12 years, to build new power stations. He hasn't said whether it needs to be coal-fired power stations or what kind of power stations. Uh, he was speaking big uh, last year about the need for renewable energy to take off. So, well, uh, we'll see. We'll have to take a closer look at that later on in the show. IO has won its uh, PIC court challenge. Well, well, IO says it's won, but in actual fact, the challenge was brought, brought by the PIC against the company of registrars. The company of registrars wants the PIC to hand money uh, that it granted to, PI, to IO uh, last year when it bought shares in IO. The uh, company of registrars says PIC must hand that money back. PIC today brought a court challenge and was successful uh, in that. Uh, the court ruling that... Uh, the company registrar or the um, intellectual property commission had not given IO a chance to put its case before the court. Uh, Cape Town wants off-grid homes to register their solar panels and their, their, their battery power packs that they're putting onto their walls. Uh, thanks to Elon Musk, uh, the Pretoria-based, the Pretoria-born billionaire who lives in the United States nowadays. Uh, Alexander Forbes selling its insurance businesses. Uh, PIC chief executive suspended. What is NASPAS doing in the European Union? We're going to have a little closer look at that. I still scratch my head. I'm not quite sure what it's uh, planning to do other than take money over to Europe.
which is a strange thing, isn't it? Africa is going over to Europe to help uh, Europe get its its necessary um, physical scale uh, in terms of IT, so it can take on Silicon Valley and the Chinese. Uh, what uh, the US is stealing Venezuela money? We'll take another look at that if we have time. And M. Marion Roberts buys TNT in the United States. So that's all coming up in the show in a little while. In the meantime, let's go over to the JSE and see what was happening there today. Uh, in as much as uh, the JSE is a measurement of uh, financial or business health in South Africa, uh, you know uh, the things that hit, that hit the that hit the big businesses are very different from the things that hit the small businesses. Big businesses can afford to get uh, huge big generators and so on, when ESCOM doesn't provide them with power. Small businesses must just bite the bullet. Yeah, well, uh, you see, you don't hear any of that kind of story uh, on, on on JSE figures. You don't hear anything about what's happening in small towns all around South Africa. I mean, I, I, I think of uh, going on going on Jamaat a few years ago. We went over to Hazy View. Ah, uh, the the environs around the Kruger National Park. They, they're just like little shacks everywhere, little houses everywhere. All the hills, there's just houses and hills and hills and hills and hills, and there's houses and houses and houses, all spread all over the place. Thousands and thousands and thousands of houses. What are happening to all of those people? Where are they getting jobs? Uh, how do they make a living? Uh, you never hear those kind of stories when you read Business Day or any of the mainstream uh, news sites you go to. You don't hear stories from those parts of the country. But uh, how many people are living there? Uh, you know, at least, uh, I'd say at the very least, half of our population is, is in these areas. Uh, and what does their story have to say about the national story? To what, to, to what way do they contribute to government laws and policies that have been put together? Well, the JSE ended in uh, positive territory today on 0.49% up uh, the JSE all share, 0.43% up the uh, top 40 index. The rand has recovered against most major currencies, but only slightly. We're on 14.42 to the dollar, 19.06, we're on 19.17 yesterday to the pound, and 16.27 to the euro. Um, gold is $1,314 a fine ounce. Uh, the most watched shares on the JSE today were Steinhoff in number one place. Steinhoff, oh, well, what can we say about that company? I guess we don't really have to say anything about it because everyone else has got plenty of plenty to say about it, and we'll get him back to that a little bit later, uh, inshallah. Sibanya, um, gold mining company, uh, is the second most watched share today, EOH, the computer and internet uh, telecommunications company, Services Company is the third most watch share and Naspass is the fourth most watch share on the JSE today. Biggest winner on the JSE was Northern Platinum up 4.81%. Kumba Iron Ore in second place up 4.75%. Motus, the car spares uh, manufacturer and importer rather, is up a 4.65%. RCL, food uh, manufacturer and processor up 3.53%. And Fortress B, the property rate, <coughs> excuse me, the property, um, the property um, investment company is up 3.28%. It's after its woes of the last few weeks after it emerged that it, uh, the other company that had been helping with it, uh, on the other side of the scale, they've been massaging each other's share prices over the years. Uh, Allegedly, and uh, well, that case is still being investigated by the JSE, but Fortress uh, increasing today. I hope that wasn't as a result of um, collusion in share trading. Uh, Telcom is the biggest loser today, down 0.343%. Uh, PSG Consult is down 3.02%. Goldfields down 2.38%. Capitec down 1.95%. And Sapi down 1.85%. Uh, yeah, well, people not expecting good, something good coming out of Capitec. It's due to be bringing out its results soon. Uh, we don't really focus on the banking sector in all that much other than to tell you how they're messing up our lives and our businesses. Um, probably the biggest way that they do it is uh, with uh, manipulation of the value of the rand. Uh, and uh, how long it is going to be before South Africa gets these guys under control. 
Uh, I would really like to see currency traders going to jail for very long times. I really would like to see that, and not just the local ones, the foreigners as well. Go over to London and enforce our extradition treaties with the UK and haul a few of those really fancy boys from the city over across to South Africa, spend a little bit of time in Mzansi jails. You'll learn a lot about economics in jail. Yeah, you will, mate. Uh, anyway, we've uh, got good news today in that uh, today we were told that unemployment uh, in South Africa had fallen, which was very good news, uh, meaning that we actually put in on jobs rather than uh, taking them away, uh, but, only, but only slightly. Uh, now, when I want to find that story, uh, I'm afraid it has suddenly disappeared off my screen. Um, I don't know how that has happened. Um, doing an Apple F on my keyboard here to try and find unemployment. Uh, unemployment in the primary sectors of the economy. Yeah. Microsoft Word, what a wonderful little gift it is sometimes, you know. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you don't get your Microsoft suite, you know, like Office or something like that, uh, and you go onto the internet, you're going to be asked for. Uh, Passwords for every single little thing. It was amazing when I, when I got my Microsoft Office, uh, suddenly all my problems disappeared and there I was, uh, working away like nothing had been happening. I didn't use my laptop for an entire year because I got so upset with it all. <laughs> I left, I, I, I bought a new 8,000 Rand laptop a few years ago and I didn't use it for a full year because uh, I didn't have a Microsoft Office uh, suite on my, on, on, installed on my laptop. And every time I wanted to try and get the thing working, I was being told we need a password for this and a password for that. And soon I was forgetting my passwords. And uh, ah, yeah, I'm sure plenty of you have been through that kind of struggle, haven't you? Unemployment in the primary sectors of the economy uh, took a knock. Construction setting, shedding 18,000 18, jobs, while mining and quarrying fell by 7,000 and manufacturing by 3,000. However, the service sectors did bail us out because South Africa saw its first increase in employment in, the in six months as the number of unemployed rose by 87,000 in the fourth quarter of last year. So that's in actual fact, if on, on average, if you divide by, divide by three, um, you get like 30,000 jobs in a month. United States only put on 20,000 jobs last year. The whole, I mean, in February, the whole of the United States. Hmm? They put on fewer jobs than the South African economy did. And, uh, you know, a city like Houston has got a bigger budget than our country. You know, uh, to give you an idea of the size of the United States. There's another thing you see. We speak about billions so easily nowadays. We chuck trillions into news and private conversations as though it's nothing. But have you ever tried to count to a million? See if you can count to a million from start to finish without having to stop. You won't be able to. It's physically impossible uh, to count to a million uh, uh, just non-stop. It's physically impossible. It will take you 11 and a half days to count a million, maybe even longer than that. There's only 84,600 seconds in a day. So if you start counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, by the time you get 141, 142, 143, 144, if you're on 365,781, 365,782, um, it's going to take you 11 and a half days to count to a million. Huh? 11 and a half days it'll take you to count to a million. It will be impossible. You're going to have to fall asleep before, be, be, before you finish counting. You get halfway, you'll fall asleep and you won't remember where you were and you'll have to start all over again. You know, you'll have to have a whole team around you helping you to count to a million. That's how big one million is. You know, and we speak about a million as though it's nothing nowadays. Uh, do you know what you can do with two rand? Huh? Now, uh, if you go to a spaza shop, you can buy an egg for two rand. You can buy a potato, maybe two potatoes for two rand. You can get a tomato for two rand. That's what you can do with two rand. You know, uh, you are never going to be rich if you do not know the value of one rand. Mm. You're never going to be satisfied. Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that a rich man is a man who has a wife 
who he can trust with her virtue and his money. That is what a rich man is. Uh, a rich man is a contented man. And if you don't know the value of one rand, you'll never be contented. You'll never be contented because you won't know the value of a million rand. If you don't know the value of one rand, you're never going to know the value of a million rand. You'll never know the value of a billion rand. If you don't know what you can do with one rand, then you're wasting your money. Yeah, you've got millions, you've got billions. Fine. Now, you know, you're set for life. Even if you started spending today, you wouldn't be able to spend all of your money. Well, you're never going to be happy because you don't know what one rand can do. Mm. Well, um, South Africa saw its first employment in six months. We're putting on more jobs in the United States economy. Uh, this follows two quarters of contraction in employment. South Africa usually sees a seasonal boost uh, in the fourth quarter as Christmas comes. But you're going to ask the retailers, how is Christmas? They say that Black Friday in November. We sold more. Huh? Uh, America didn't have a nice retail uh, season either. Uh, employment in South Africa's business services sector was up 53,000, while trade saw a boost of 49,000, and community services also rose by 9,000. It's partially due to seasonal, uh, seasonal employment uh, associated with the festive season, according to uh, economists. Unemployment in the primary sectors of the economy took a knock. Construction shed 18,000 jobs. We've been speaking in the show over the last few weeks and months about the troubles in our construction sector. They uh, say that there's a construction mafia out there that is going out and is disrupting uh, construction sites. Um, they say these are like community members, but I'm wondering if they are. <clears throat> you know, uh, I also speak often in my show about the need to move from a nuclear family-based economy to a clan-based economy. Uh, making the clan as your basic building block for your economy. When the economy, uh, government gets involved with the private, with private individuals, it should actually be interacting with them on the basis of clan. Uh, we should be encouraging that because we've got very strong clan networks in South Africa, and uh, basically they are just informal sector at the most. There is no formal inclusion of of clan based business dynamics in our economy and uh, as far as I'm concerned it's a resource that is completely ignored let alone underutilized in South Africa um, and if we get the clan to start replacing the corporation in many aspects of our collective business activities I mean in, in essence a company a company or a corporation is simply a legal uh, a legal term uh, that uh, b bling, brings about a, a collective business activity. Uh, so you don't have to use a corporation to do that if you've got an existing framework. Uh, you can use the clan. Um, Muslims, Hindus, Indians, Africans, Chinese, they know about these things. They, in the West, uh, they've been destroying uh, their... Um, their, their, their clans for like more than 2,000 years. You could say that the Council of Nicaea with the four Gospels of the Bible were put together. Um, also uh, married uh, Christianity right at its very early roots. 325 AD was when the Council of Nicaea took place. And that was a marriage between the Catholic Church and the Roman Emperor. And uh, Roman law... Uh, did not allow uh, for ordinary plebeians to be part of the senatorial class, to be part of the ruling structures. Uh, so, uh, you see, uh, you had ruling clans, small, not very big, and the big mass of people, uh, they, the plebs, they, they, their clan ties and their extended family ties were underemphasized at the very least in ancient Rome. And, uh, and so, basically, you had that early part of Christianity's roots were based in the nuclearization of society, uh, the, the division of society in the 1% and the 99% that we still see today. Uh, you could say the roots of this 1%, 99% ratio were born in 325 AD in the southern Turkey, in the, the small little town called Nicaea. That's where like modern Christianity basically took off. Um, most Christians don't even know that, but uh, well, that is the way of the 99%. When you've only got uh, your, you only live in a little nuclear family, and then you, 
you're, you're cast off into the wide world. You never carry around with you a generational memory. You know, you don't know, you don't really know what your father did in his youth, let alone who your grandfather was or what he got up to in his youth and where he came from and what they were all worried about. There's no ways that you as the head of a nuclear family can develop a 50-year plan in terms of what is going to happen with my grandchildren. Let's start planning now. You know, a nuclear family father, if he decides he wants to like care for his children, what can he do? He can go and start saving, get an education saving fund. And hopefully the bank isn't going to take it away or there won't be a seizure of bank funds as you had in Greece and some European countries a few years ago. Uh, you see... When you're, when you're the head of a nuclear family, you know, you're competing against an army of economists who work for the banks and their sole job and preoccupation in life is to take that money out of your pocket. And if they're not going to get that money out of your pocket, uh, they at the very least going to get you to pool your money with them. And if you have a look at banking, it's all about pooling. It's all about pooling. A temporary enclosure of money over a period, allowing it to accumulate to a certain size. And when you can do that on a regular basis, you can use that pool of money to do all kinds of things. The money doesn't belong to you, but bankers, other people's money, that is the story of modern banking. Uh, so anyway, unemployment in the primary sectors took a knock. As we said earlier, construction said 18,000 jobs, mining and quarrying filed 7,000 and manufacturing by 3,000. Um, Investec uh, said while moderate employment gains were experienced in certain industries, overall domestic labor market conditions remain sluggish. Uh, the number of employed, according to the survey, rose 10.06 million, rose to, not rose by, wow, imagine if we'd added 10 million jobs. We know it rose to 10.06 million jobs in the quarter to end December. So we've got 10 million people out of the 57 million people in our country who are working. Uh, you can probably add another 30, uh, 20 million to that in terms of people at school and university and studying. So uh, we've got about... Uh, 40, no, 30 million people uh, sort of uh, at work and educated, and then you've got about 27 million people who are unemployed or underemployed. Hmm? That's a lot of people. That's a serious social problem that needs to be addressed. I mean, you get the DA going on, but, yeah, well, you know, the ANC giving all these state funds in hands out to the poor. You're just encouraging uh, laziness. I wonder if the DA gets in, will it stop social grants? May 8 elections coming up. Uh, well, all the polls are saying the ANC is going to get in, and it's going to get in. They're saying with a 61% uh, approval rating, 61% of people are going to vote for the ANC, according to the polls at the moment, if you can believe these things. Compared to a year ago, employment increased by 158,000 over the fourth quarter of 2017. That's 1.6% up year on year with an increase of uh, 77,000 in business services, 55,000 in trade, and 32,000 in community services. So over a year, um, uh, we, we haven't done that badly. We haven't done that ba badly at all, but it would be nicer to see it increasing even more. Um, in February, data for Statistics South Africa showed that unemployment remained uncomfortably high at 27.1%. Of course, that's only uh, people who are actively seeking work. How they actually measure these things, I don't know. Because uh, when I've been unemployed and I've been actively seeking work, I haven't had someone from the Employment Bureau or the Labor Department phoning me up to ask me if I'm looking for work. And when I've been knocked out of work, you know, I haven't even claimed UIF. Crazy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and anyway... <clears throat> Average monthly earnings paid to employees in the formal non-agricultural sector remained unchanged. Uh, but that probably means that, you know, in terms of uh, inflation and so on, our, our salaries are actually taking a few steps backwards. But uh, getting on to energy, uh, we may be employing a few more and we may be earning slightly less. But nevertheless, the government wants one trillion rand in the next 11 years to grow our energy production capacity. That's according to uh, our prodigal Minister of Energy, Jeff Khadebe, uh, speaking at the DLO Africa Power Roundtable, probably the biggest thieves in Africa uh, today. 
which brings together government officials, investors and stakeholders in Africa's energy sector. I wonder if the Guptas were there. <laughs> I wonder if they go in disguise, you know, they put on those Groucho mask glasses with the big bushy eyebrows and the funny and the funny moustache and they go and like sort of sit at the back and hope no one recognizes them. Um I wonder I wonder if the Guptas were there. Hmm? Uh, do you think do you think maybe they had uh, someone there? Or maybe they did. Jeff Khadebe was there. Oh no, that's me mean and nasty Alameen. Jeff Khadebe is not the Gupta's man. He is not. Jeff Khadebe is his own man. He's hiding for himself. What do you mean? Uh, Jeff Khadebe said today it's clear ESCOM alone cannot meet our power capacity constraints because we estimate that the capacity extension under the integrated resource plan will cost in excess of 4 trillion rands in the period up to 2030, including new power plants plus the requisite transmission and distribution infrastructure. So it seems that we're still uh, planning big power plants with big, long transmission lines and all of these kinds of things. And it also seems that we're planning on coal. Because the one reason why you can't bring those power plants closer to uh, the demand uh, demand sectors uh, is because then you would have to transport the coal to the cities. So it's easier to transport electricity to the cities than it is to transport coal to the cities. Uh, so it would seem that Jeff is, well, no, not necessarily. I mean, are you still jumping onto some city bandwagon, because now where are all the solar power plants? They're in the Kalahari and the Karoo. They're also far away from the big cities. So they'll also need long transmission lines. So stop being so hard on Jeff now. Oh, gee, I've got an officious bystander here with me today. Um, all right, so that's Jeff Khadebe. He says we're going to need one trillion rand more. Uh, he says... Uh, ESCOM is experiencing uh, problems in securing funding for new power stations. So Jeff Khadebi reckons municipalities should be encouraged to get their old or non-functioning power stations working again. Oh, you know, we go through the cycle uh, since the ANC has been in power in 1994. Oh, no, no. You know, in 1994, uh, ESCOM had so much excess capacity that it was saying that we need to we need to be the powerhouse of Southern Africa. We need to be powering mines in Zambia and Zanzibar and Mozambique and Angola. Yeah, that's what we need. We've got so much power. ESCOM had so much power and excess capacity that ESCOM was saying we really need to start selling. Yay, 1994 is here. Yay, now we're on e easy terms with the rest of Africa. This was before we started burning Africans. Uh, and we can go and start selling energy to the rest of Africa. Now we don't even have enough energy to provide for our own needs. What has happened in the meantime? You could say, well, you know, it's because we've been putting a whole lot, we've been putting a whole lot of homes uh, onto electricity. All oh, there's been millions of people who've got electricity now. But no, that's not the reason. Because uh, we only used to, uh, homes only consumed about 5 to 7% of ESCOM's output uh, pre-1994, now uh, we're uh, consuming 17%, and I don't know if that 17% also includes our energy exports to Botswana and Zimbabwe and Swaziland, and Swati as it calls itself now. Um, so yeah, that 17% increase hasn't been enough to take all of that excess capacity that ESCOM was talking about exporting. You've had that bulletins contract a uh, 20-year contract with discounted energy prices. And, of course, that means that it's ordinary households that are subsidizing big, big business. I think the big missing figure in this whole thing is new power, new smelters for miners coming online and planned. But because we've got such a constraint on ESCOM, because all of the excess capacity has already been chowed, now... Uh, big mining plans that are hoping to get ahead to all of the ministers in the ANC that put all these deals together. You see, uh, it's one of the reasons why the ANC hasn't been able to respond. But uh, I suppose we, we, we're, actually, we're actually getting a little bit late in the show. We're going to have to cross to the marketplace for a little bit of news. And uh, we'll get back to you. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a little while. Marukha Sahaba, the voice, the voice of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Welcome back. Um, getting back to Jeff Khadebe's plans uh, to 
change the laws to actually allow municipalities to start producing electricity rather than just consuming it and redistributing it. Uh, He says that the amendment to Schedule 2 of the Electricity Regulation Act is intended to enable municipal and distributed generation. Now, it's really interesting because, you know, the ANC in the local elections last year, (coughs) two years ago, uh, they lost uh, Johannesburg, Pretoria and Durban. Now, these are like the three main metros in South Africa and presumably, like, you know, it's the big metros that have the capacity. They've got the old power stations, like, for instance, uh, Soweto has got, is Soweto going to restart its old power stations? They're going to have to take down that bungee jumping cord between its two old cooling towers. Wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, well, Goldfields uh, was going to move its head office to the old uh, uh, electricity building in downtown Johannesburg a few years ago. I don't think that ever really happened. Uh, but perhaps, you know, they can get those buildings working again as power stations. <laughs> well, uh, it'll be very interesting. But uh, can you see the ANC handing this over, uh, revenue generation and a critical aspect uh, strategically so over to the da metros well i mean it's interesting to see i must say that's uh, kind of like an openness uh, uh, you you don't usually see that kind of gentlemanly behavior in south african politics the minister said the country's energy blueprint the integrated resource plan is currently before the national economic development and labor council and it will probably bring out a result that's probably going to be dated by the time they've made their decisions now, why am I saying that? Well, you see, uh, actually, I'm, I'm not going to get onto that because there's a lot more hard news that I need to get through before the end of the show. The Companies and Intellectual Properties Commission order issued to State Asset Manager, the Public Investment Corporation, to recoup 44.3 billion rand from IO Technology Solutions has been de- declared unlawful by the Pretoria High Court. I'm just reading this out verbatim because this is a very good example of how not to write a news story. Um, uh, and I, I think it was written by Business Day. Can you believe it? That's actually an intro paragraph in a national newspaper. The Companies and Intellectual Properties Commission order issued to State Asset Manager, the Public Investment Corporation. You know, people have lost interest in reading that story before they've even got through the first name. Okay, instead you should be saying IO Technologies does not have to repay 4.3 billion rand to government to the government pension administrator uh, court has ruled today. That's how you say it. Hmm. Uh, anyway, IO Technologies. IO Technologies says that it's won the court case. Uh, well, in actual fact, the court case was bought by the PIC. Uh, which is the administrator of the government pension funds. Uh, and uh, they had been ordered, the, the, the Companies and Intellectual Properties Commission, basically that's the company registrar. Uh, you know, the registrar of companies issued an order recently saying that the Public Investment Corporation, 4.3 billion investment in IO technologies had been illegally done and it needed to recover that money from IO. Well, now that has been taken to court. Io says, you know what? You didn't give me an opportunity to put my side of the case. And uh, the court has quite rightly ruled that, yes, the Aude Altrum Partum rule remains a part of the common law as it does the international law. And so, therefore, this basic step should have been followed by the company registrar before he decided to make his decision. And as a result, uh, the whole thing has been uh, turned around now. And uh, the court says that the PRC doesn't have to uh, hand that money back. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's the end of the case uh, because uh, it seems like uh, either the PIC or the company registrar is now going to have a second bite at this thing uh, because uh, very definitely it would appear that all kinds of procedures, as we've heard before the PIC Commission of Inquiry, all sorts of procedures were not followed uh, in terms of granting, making that decision. Uh, the board, which is supposed to make the decision, uh, did not uh, did not have any say in it. It was taken completely one man and by Dan Machila, who used to be the uh, chief executive, and uh, I must say, he really had had a a wonderful uh, run until then. So like in the last year and a half, suddenly Dan went bad. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know why it was. Apparently there's close relations between him and Iqbal Silva, who is the the head of, uh, of IO as well as the independent group. 
Uh, so anyway, it's, it seems clear that although the court has decided to nullify the company of registrar's ruling, it is not the end of the story. And uh, in this case, is this um, purchase of IO shares is going to be, continue to be challenged uh, in the months ahead. And in fact, the way I see things turning out, I see IO handing that money back. I wonder who's going to hand back with interest. Oh boy. Well, Iqbal, you got yourself into position. Uh, I don't know what your ultimate end game was, but really, you need to get a whole, rid of that um, that uh, so-called editor of your business publication. Really, I go and look at business report nowadays, and it's hey, it's really terrible. Adri Sinekal, the I think her name is, or something like that. <clears throat> I think uh, she's actually good friends with a friend of Robin Chalmers, who's um, she's good friends with Serena, who's good friends with Robin Chalmers, who is the wife of what's his name, David Bruce, Nigel Bruce. Uh, anyway, that guy who's the editor of Business Day. You really need to go check out Serena's links to Robin. Um, anyway, uh, that's nothing to do with me. Uh, more stuff going ahead. Uh, the public, investments, the public Investment Corporation's chief executive has been placed on suspension, precautionary suspension, following allegations she was interfering in processes related to the commission of inquiry into the asset manager. Um, apparently, uh, some guys have been uh, faced disciplinary hearings. There was supposed to be uh, a moratorium on disciplinary hearings ahead of these PIC hearings, but that hasn't happened. Alvin Scheel, a development manager, PIC's property division, claimed he had had disciplinary processes instituted against him on the eve of the commencement of the mission of the commission, which has been chaired by retired judge Lexham Party. Uh, like other employees who appeared before the commission, Shield described an environment of threat and fear that existed at the PIC. Shield's disciplinary process is similar to that of Victor Sini, who was involved in the approval of the investment in IO technology solutions. Um, every step of the way, it seems, processes weren't, weren't followed. Even, even when it came to uh, selling shares in order to get the money together to pay, uh, to pay for those IO shares, uh, which have been hopelessly overvalued according to many accounts, uh, well, not Ipal Serv's account, or, or uh, it would appear Adi Senegal Devet's account. Um, yeah, I wonder if Iqbal heard me talking about Robin Thomas' link. That'll be very interesting, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, it'll be very interesting. Go on, go chase that one down, Iqbal. Um, this would suggest the disciplinary processes underway at the PIC appear to be deeply conflicted as whistleblowers, in many cases lower-ranking employees Im implicating senior executives, are the same ones being subjected to the dis disciplinary, disciplinary processes at the request of senior executives. So in order to prevent all that happen, now the PIC's latest chief executive has... Now you see, this is just no good for the country. It really is just no good for the country. Really, um, the biggest the biggest blow to South Africa since 1994 was Jacob Zuma coming into power. Now, Jacob Zuma, Jake, you sitting there at home saying, "Ah, these people, they 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 discriminating against me. It's not fair. I was the best president the country's ever had." Yeah, the first thing that happened when Jacob Zuma came to power was all the Zumaites at all local and regional government. They started stabbing the Mbekiites. And as a result of that process, all of that momentum that had been built up in the Mandela years taken us forward. 5.5% economic growth rate, GDP. Huh? 5.5% and approaching that magical 6% mark was suddenly all undone. All undone. And we lost that momentum as a whole bunch of whores and... Um, yeah, the kind of worst kinds of people came in and climbed into our local government, got rid of the previous guys, and then started signing uh, contracts with all of their buddies. Look, you know, you could say it's an ongoing part of Western municipal uh, politics. 
Uh, you can go and see. It's been going on in Europe for thousands of years, this kind of thing, you know. Guy and the head of security for the municipality suddenly has uh, all these security companies coming along, you know, these big Afrikaner guys with big moustaches and da, 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 wanting to, you know, pay the bribe so that their company will be able to guard those installations and these guys will be providing the CCV TVs and, you know. Well, you know... Um, so, uh, like, I, I, I actually know one guy who was the head of security for Rudaput. He said, like, he, he couldn't believe it. Like, in his first day, there's this, like, this procession of Afrikaners coming into his door wanting <laughs> to give him money. <laughs> it's not like it's something new with ANC. But nevertheless, when all of those kind of agreements get thrown away and you get new guys coming in, it kind of, like, just enmeshes up the gears. And, and so... This is the problem. That was the worst thing about Jacob Zuma. You don't see them speaking about the financial media, but that was the worst thing about Jacob Zuma. And that happened at every level of government, in every single ministry, in every single government department, all the way down to the lowest levels. See? Anyway, well, excuse me for saying so, but like, you know, the ANC in many ways is a cannibalistic party because it, it, it eats itself. Look at what's happening uh, with political assassinations in KwaZulu-Natal at the moment. Not very good. Uh, but what else do we have? Mm. Well, we've got clan. You should start moving across to that kind of thing. I'm sure there's a lot of interesting things we could start doing there in terms of like, you know, rural development, local government, and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, a very interesting dynamic if you, if you change your fundamental building block of your economy, from your nuclear family to your clan, going to have very interesting um, wider economic um, spin-offs. In my opinion, anyway, uh, but anyway, who am I? And Murray and Roberts, face a hostile takeover bid by a German company, Arton, uh, says it's acquired Tetranova Technologies for 552 million rands, uh, it's good news. It's nice to see a construction company actually going out and buying things overseas. Obviously, uh, Marion Roberts uh, diversified out of South Africa, uh, doing very good work overseas. It's the international brand. is still doing very strong, very big into mining and those kinds of things as a result of the capacity and skills that it built up uh, during apartheid. Uh, we're a big mining country, South Africa, and now we're able to take those skills and build mine shafts and uh, mining tunnels and all kinds of inf infrastructure for new mines around the world. Also, I mean, that built the old Burj Towers there in Dubai. So it can do fancy developments as well as like, you know, real sort of uh, brick and mortar, iron and steel kind of things. Uh, its share price rose sharply after the deal was announced. It was trading 3.7% higher on the JSE yesterday. Uh, the company Cementation America, the, the group said its subsidiary, Cementation America, has had acquired 100% of TNT. Basically, TNT provides, um, provides uh, what those things call conveyor belts conveyor belt transportation of ore. It's very important at a mine on itself and also for transporting uh, from a mine to, like, say, a power station. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's a big player in America. Uh, they say that it uh, complements its engineering and construction services of, of its underground mining platform, and it gives the potential to grow TNT significantly in other areas where Murray and Roberts operates. So it's a, yeah, it's a nice kind of like fit for Murray and Roberts operations, and it's nice to see some good news coming out of a construction company in South Africa. In the meantime, the German company, Arton, says uh, it's uh, got the, the approvals required for its hostile takeover bid, such as from Competition authorities. Uh, these, um, no, actually, it turns out that the uh, approvals are taking longer than expected, and it's extended the date to get those approvals from March to the end of June. Oh, well, good luck to them. Arton has offered 17 rand a share to Marion Roberts shareholders. Marion Roberts is of the opinion that its shares are worth, worth more to worth more like uh, 20 to 22 rands. And let's go and have a look quickly uh, where Marion Roberts is trading on the JSE at the moment. M&R, I think that's its share price. And it'll tell us that the current Marion Roberts share price uh, oh, so oh, right, I gave me the wrong name there. Um, Murray and Roberts. 
and it says Murray and Roberts it's it doesn't give a share pricing here at the very moment calling it up it'll pop up in just a little while um, it's nice to play on these little trading platforms uh, its share price is currently standing at uh, sure uh, 134 rands so what kind of share price are they talking about I, I wonder I wonder is that an old share price? Can't be. Uh, well, I'll get that sorted out for tomorrow. I'm sorry to confuse things uh, so late in our show today. Um, uh, getting on to other market car, market stories, Cape Town is now requiring uh, from uh, 28 February effective, is the effective date for the new law that they brought in last year. Homeowners in Cape Town are required if they are going to get uh, one of uh, Elon Musk's wall units uh, called the Power Wall, uh, which is able to store power from uh, your solar panels. Uh, Elon Musk company has been rolling out uh, roof roof tile solar panels. Uh, you, you you build your house, and when you put your roof on, instead of putting ordinary tiles onto your roof, you put these solar panel tiles onto your roof. So your roof is in actual fact strong, but nevertheless it now generates electricity. Then you have a battery pack, a very nice, very sophisticated looking battery pack on a wall, uh, and that stores your power. And then if the lights go off, uh, you just switch your battery pack on. Either that or you can use your battery pack to go completely off-grid. So when the sun is shining, uh, your, your roof is providing the electricity and at night your power pack provides the electricity. And you're even able to charge your Tesla car from, uh, from that wall unit. Now you see the interesting thing that all of this brings about um, is that homes with their solar panels in South Africa could soon, if, like, say, the whole thing spread right across the whole country, homes then could actually take the place, could replace ESCOM. Homes, uh, if they're connected to the grid properly, uh, could then start providing power to companies at night. You know, you've got excess capacity. You know, if you've got readers and meters and they're all signed up together and they can all work and say you've got, like, a really integrated grid, uh, and your your home electricity wall units are able to talk to uh, the national regional control center, then that control center could start diverting power from individual homes into the grid uh, and diverting it to another part of the grid uh, that would like maybe because the power station is in trouble in a certain city, and so um, <clears throat> and so then you could find yourself uh, at the end of the month uh, with ESCOM coming and giving you money. Now, isn't that an interesting idea? I think it's a very interesting idea. Uh, and uh, you kind of like see the precursors to that kind of system taken off in the United States, where in actual fact the United States is making it illegal for people to move off-grid. Uh, well, okay, no, maybe about the United States isn't a good idea then. Uh, here in South Africa, um, if, if you do have the standardization that is happening, uh, Cape Town is, is adamant that they need to standardize uh, all, of, all of these various electrical appliances that are being connected to their grid. If you uh, have uh, power uh, solar panels on your roof and your solar panels are connected to your power box uh, to kick in to start working uh, when the power goes off, then you are connected to the grid. You see, and if you've got a faulty kind of power panel, it can do a funny little thing. It could potentially damage the grid. At least that's what es um, that's what Cape Town is saying. And also, some of these devices not might not be safe, and so on. It could burn the house down, and that could cause a blackout, and all those kinds of things. So Cape Town is now moving to standardizing. And so now, if you want to have a solar power or an electric or a battery pack in your house. You have to register it with Cape Town, and uh, they're not going to give you an electricity compliance certificate when you want to sell your house. And, uh, and so they're trying to enforce this in many ways. 
um, whether it's free thinking or if it's just Big Brother, I don't know. But I think that it is an interesting concept to think about going forward. Could it be possible if every single house starts um, generating its own electricity that one day houses could be providing electricity to smelters? I don't think we'll actually reach that kind of um, scale. But uh, nevertheless, it's an interesting thought going forward, uh, don't you think? Alexander Forbes, uh, the uh, fund manager and insurer and pension fund administrator, who went bankrupt about 10 years ago when it was found to have been pooling uh, the funds from its various uh, funds under administration and then taking a, that bigger pool of funds uh, and getting more interest on it and then taking that excess interest and keeping it for itself uh, when it, uh, it, it, it actually it had to pay so much money back to uh, the pension funds uh, that it had under administration a few years ago that it uh, went bankrupt. Uh, now Alexander Forbes is back in business again. That makes me feel so happy. But nevertheless, you know, a corporation is just a mask. It's just a mask, you know. It hides the faces behind it, and I'm hoping that the faces that are hiding behind Alexander Forbes nowadays are more honest than the faces that used to be there. Uh, it says it is commencing a process to seek a buyer for its insurance businesses, uh, saying it doesn't want to be in insurance. It wants to focus on giving advice to people and uh, administration of pension funds and so on. Uh, its core business is consulting, administration, and investments, it says. So it's getting rid of its insurance businesses. Obviously, what's happening now in the insurance sector, uh, there's a lot more uh, competition coming from these small kind of like... Uh, um, what do they call them? Um, oh dear me, the, the 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 word has just popped out of my head. Boutique, yeah, that's call them. They call them boutique insurance sellers. Like you, you know, you get a nice kind of like um, catchy idea to sell your insurance with, and gudum, you go and uh, you sell insurance, and a whole lot of people like it for a little while because they're tired of Sandland or Santam or. You know, all of the usual insurers, outsurance, all those guys, we're sick of them, you know, tired of them, and we come up with a new face. And so you're able to attract a whole lot of customers. Uh, also, now you're getting, um, um, like Hippo, for instance, you can compare insurance rates and so on. So it's cutting down uh, the profitability in the sector, uh, despite the ANC government saying that South Africans are one trillion rand underinsured a few years ago, which was basically a declaration of war against black people in South Africa um, because it's mainly black people underinsured in South Africa and in fact South Africans are overinsured our contractual savings rates as we've gone about this on earlier shows of 14% of GDP the general average international average is around about between 1 and 2% and we've got 14% um, from uh, added insurance that we've taken on ourselves uh, is 14% of GDP. We've got the biggest pension funding savings in the world. Um, you know, if you take our pension savings compared to Germany, you can put Germany together with a whole lot of other countries. And we've got more pension savings here in South Africa. That was built up during apartheid uh, when uh, the international credit lines were cut off. Um, and so uh, the government brought out uh, enforced investments for insurance and pension funds and so on. And now the ANC is trying to start doing that again. And uh, now there's all kinds of opposition to it. Um, but nevertheless, it is a great legacy that, uh, that we have. And in fact, it gives great strength to our economy because it means we're able to raise funds locally rather than having to go to international markets. And that is a wonderful thing that we need to hold on to. Jazakumullah for joining us. I'm afraid we've come to the end of the show. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today has been profitable. And above all, halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah.